0: welcome back it's another thursday well it's a thursday when this is released it might be wednesday for you um if you are anywhere on the other side of the world from australia <laughs> um but welcome back to another episode i'm very very excited to share this with you um i think you're gonna really love this i've got a very special guest on um and this is a chat for everyone to think about and consider when it comes to publishing, essentially. Um, yeah, and all the other modalities that surround that as well. Also, um, all the links in the show notes <laughs> to are there for um, when it comes to joining our Facebook group for the Writers Advice Podcast or for joining my review group which is um olivia clear's fabulous readers that link is in the show as well uh, in the show notes as well so if you want to receive more arcs of the series that i have coming up the first book is released um which is starseed but the if you are uh, love a young adult paranormal good versus evil um this is definitely up your alley and you're going if you have read Starseed and you want to read more of the books and make sure that you join my review group but that is all for me also if you love this podcast please leave a review it helps a lot and let's just get into this episode guys because because that's what you're here for let's go Welcome back to the Writer's Advice podcast, everybody. I am so excited because today we are joined by the queen of women's fiction, um, Jane Green. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Now, your career is amazing, like absolutely amazing. There are so many things that I want to um, dive in with you today. So
1: is it? it's 24 books you've authored, yeah? 24 um, books well, it depends what you count because I, it's 21 novels. Actually, I've written 22, but then there's a cookbook and there have been short stories and novellas. So, so I'm not entirely sure, but, but yeah. somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's a good list and 18 of which have been New York Times bestsellers, which is just incredible. But I want to go back to the absolute start. And well, when was the moment that you knew that you were a writer?
1: Well I had fallen into journalism so I was writing women's features and I actually realized that the the bit that I liked was not the getting of the story it was the losing myself in the words and I I just found it the most relaxing thing in the world and and honestly I think I became a writer because I was a reader I was just always happiest losing myself in the pages of a book and that's really where I learned to how a book is put together i think just just from being a reader um but i was i was a journalist um so i'd fallen into journalism and a friend of mine then suddenly um wrote a book and b- next thing you know she'd got a publishing deal and i remember thinking well, wait a minute hang on a minute i'm the writer if she can do it i can do it and and it never occurred to me that i wouldn't be successful and and i wrote a book that was about my sort of my life and my girlfriend's life at the time. We were all single and we were all in our late 20s and early 30s, and we were all sort of dating the same awful men. And that book was called Straight Talking, and it became this instant bestseller in the UK. Um and and then I wrote, um, then I just kept writing. That was it. Yeah. My career was launched.
0: That's amazing. So you've got because you have a really great um general journal, journalism career as well. So did you move out of that and then go full time into
1: into running fiction? I so I gave myself um really naively 3 months to write a, I took 3 months off um and I gave myself 3 months to write a book and get a publishing deal. I had I was writing a few articles because the Daily Mail would pay really well and so um I kept writing for the Daily Mail just to to sort of keep me afloat while I was writing my book. Um, but extraordinarily enough, I did actually sign my publishing deal about a day before that three-month period was up. So I I did, I managed it. Now I would never recommend anyone do that now. Um, but but yeah, I I mean I I and I, in fact the first letter back I got from a literary agent was really unpleasant and I remember thinking oh no now I have to get a job um and I just thought oh I'm gonna have to go and look for a journalism job but uh but no no deal a deal came through and that was it. I love that how it's
0: like a day before those three months that you set out to as well that is just like Full conviction going into it so yeah that's amazing where do you draw your inspiration from now so that is how the first book came just from you know general life is that is that where you you pick your ideas and inspiration from where where does all the stories come for you
1: yeah it, it's I always have the type of fiction that I write is very much reflective of, of real women's lives today um, so I've always I've never written about my life although people think I have but I've always drawn from the themes that are that are happening in my life or intriguing me um so my books have very much charted the course of my life I will say though now um I'm not sure how whether I could continue doing that because there are My life is happy. It's settled. It's peaceful. There's not a lot of drama there. And so shocker, you know, I, I now actually have to come up with higher concept plots. And in fact, the last book I wrote sister stardust, um, was historical fiction. And, and it may be the last book I write for a while, um, because I've sort of shuffled over to a different medium and telling stories, um, through podcasts, um, Which is really fascinating. But I think as, um, as the publishing changes and becomes harder, I, I just, I'm not sure that I want to be traditionally published anymore. Um, Yeah. So we shall see. But Sister Stardust was biographical fiction. And actually, that was just uh, it's about a woman called Talita Getty, who I've been obsessed with my entire adult life. So it was this gorgeous reason for me to dive in and, and do some serious research for almost a year. And I loved it because, frankly, you know, at this stage of my life, there are only so many books that I want to write about women my age having a crisis it's like I you know I was bored of it so um so I loved writing historical fiction yeah and like if you do
0: or when you do go to write your next one I do want to dive into a little bit more of um Sister Stardust but is that where you think you'll you'll play now it's like finding those stories that you can research and and go a little bit more historical on
1: yeah I, I I think uh you know I I have written it's a standalone it's actually a podcast I wrote it as the novella but I wrote a sequel to Sister Stardust and it's set in 1979 but this time in features some of the same characters but this time it's in New York and it's in its studio 54 and disco and all the craziness that was going on in the 70s so yeah I I think it's entirely possible that I I do that if I were to write another book yeah
0: yeah, I love that. And I want to touch on how you say the publishing um industry is changing and I think you're definitely at the forefront of how you're changing your your medium with how you tell stories and everything as well. If you don't mind me asking when what was the year the your first book came out?
1: Um uh, my how first happen, yeah. book was published in 1998. Yeah. Um that was in the UK. My first book in America was published in 2000. That was Jemima J. Um and yes, yeah, so here we are a long time later. Um and and it's very different now and um And I understand that for people who are coming in now, it's of course, it's as exciting as it's ever been because they also don't know any different. But I found having been in this business for a long time, having had teams of support um, at my publisher. So my only job was to write the best book I could possibly write and then go out on tour and promote it. Now, my job is to write the best book I can possibly write, go on tour to promote it, do all my own marketing, do all my own PR, organize all my own events, reach out to everyone I've ever met who who I think might be able to help in any way, shape or form. And it honestly, I found it. What happens is when you when when that's not what you're used to, and that's not what I'm used to, I've just found it to be completely demoralizing and and ultimately um a killer of creativity. It just when you're working when you have to work so hard on your social media and on all that marketing there's no room left to to live life and write about it because you you've got to spend a huge amount of time in your head to be a writer and i I just i i I lost. The ability I think I lost the will perhaps
0: yeah and that's balancing the yeah you're not you have a lot less creativity time when you're focusing on the business of the product as well and that is with a traditional publisher as well yeah that you're that yes, you know you're expected yeah, to yeah. do that a lot more Oh now. yes
1: oh yeah oh my god it and really unless you are James Patterson or John Grisham you know or or perhaps Colleen Hoover um, who has upended the trade in a brilliant way, Ellen Hildebrand. But really, unless you are a consistent number one, you're you're screwed. You're getting nothing. Penguin, Random House, HarperCon, wherever you are, they're getting. You're not getting any more. In fact, you're getting significantly less because ultimately, not only are you having to pay them, you know whatever. You're you're only getting ten to fifteen percent of your book once they've recouped their advance and you're doing all the work why would you do that 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 just makes no sense
0: yeah yeah I I I 100% agree with you and this is why is this why you're looking at did did Sister Stardust come out um self-published by you or was that
1: no it came out with Harper Collins uh it came out with Harper Collins and honestly I'm supposed to deliver two more books but um I don't know that I, I I'm hoping that time may make itself available at some point but certainly not now and very busy, um, um, making podcasts, finding podcasts, running a podcast network. So.
0: Yeah. And is that very, is that very, um, thing like balancing the business and the books is what like sparked a lot of you in like, okay, I've got to change my way. I I tell stories or to build your, your current
1: audio business. Well, actually it was, I was approached by, by a guy who's very big in the podcast world and and he approached me 2 years ago and said listen i've got this idea to create fiction for podcasts and i would like you as my partner um, and, and so over many, many conversations and, and thinking about this and what we'd actually like to do together, I realized that one of the things I used to love when I was younger were radio plays, um, because they were so immersive and I don't like audio books. I, I love nonfiction on, I love memoir on audio books, but mm-hmm. I can't listen to fiction. And, and I really missed those radio plays and the idea of, of writing, Scripts, so basically a drama series that just happens to be on audio instead of on TV, um, was enormously appealing to me. And I thought I I really I loved this so much when I was younger. And what if we created sort of six to eight-part series for women um, of just great stories and and that was, that was how it came about. So I didn't, so it was all, it was a conference. It was timing. I, I was at a stage in my career where I was just starting to think I'm really not happy doing this, but I don't know what to do next. Although funnily enough, I had tried to do this, not for podcast, but for film and, t- or, and TV a few years ago, where I came up with, with storylines and was attaching young writers but ultimately I couldn't do it by myself. It was just me and, and I couldn't do it. And so I needed, I mean, what I have now, excuse me. Um, I am backed by a very big company. Um, and, um, and I have teams of support and we are making some great stuff. So that's amazing.
0: And you're using your, like, um, give us a little bit of a rundown of of how it works and where people can find it. And you're using your own stories, but also um, sourcing other the- pieces as well.
1: Yes. So the first one is mine. And actually, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Amazon, but wherever you listen to podcasts, if you search Rainbow Girl, um, that is our first. I wrote that one with Tommy Lombardi, and it's a script six-part scripted series set in the world of kind of rock and roll and and mad groupies and, and Studio 54 in 1979, just outside of New York. Um, And there's also quite a bit of sort of black magic and satanism, which was all the rage back then. Like Ouija boards were a toy. Maybe they still are, but they were sold in every toy store, which I find utterly bizarre because they (laughs) terrify me. Um, But there are plenty of Ouija boards and spooky goings on. So that's Rainbow Girl. And then we have this gorgeous sweeping historical romance coming out um, in December by Jenna Blum called The Key of Love. We have a wonderful psychological thriller next year. I i can't say the name just yet because I'm superstitious and I'm waiting for the signed contract. Um, <laughs> but we have some great names that you will know um, who are writing wonderful stories for us.
0: I absolutely love this. And you're so right, the way it's told through, like, rather than watching a tv series you're able to be so much more imaginative and immersive you know but it's a a different experience as opposed to reading a book once again but so and also we're also busy now it's like if people can dive into this while they're driving
1: well and you know that's the thing that I realized that that radio plays started in the 50s actually they started for women um, mostly in the 50s. They took off for the for the 50s housewife, who was too busy cooking and cleaning to actually stop and watch a TV show. So they created these shows on the radio and all the sponsors were soap companies. So those became soap operas. And and I realize here we are having come full circle where today's woman is also so busy, not necessarily cooking and cleaning, although some are, but also, you know, raising children and having a job and, and running various side hustles and just all the things that today's woman and who has time to read or to we just don't have time anymore. And yet we can still enjoy amazing stories if we if we listen to them
0: yeah absolutely i I love everything that you're doing with this this is amazing and based on this what would be your advice to someone you know a a young writer or someone who is working on a manuscript now when it comes to how many changes that you have seen the publishing industry go through and the way that we're telling stories now what yeah what would be your advice if someone's jumping
1: into into that um honestly I would say that i I, I would really the advice I tend to give now is to look at other ways of publishing. So rather than looking at one of the big, I mean, there are only five left, but rather than looking at one of them, really, there are so many fantastic independent publishers. Um, I think self publishing is really, really hard, but I think there are hybrid models. I mean, the truth is, self publishing can work, but again, it, you know, it's vast amounts of work. And really, to do it properly, you are going to need to take on an editor a graphic designer to design your cover so it doesn't look self published um an editor to make sure there are no typos, a sales and distribution team if you decide it's it's a huge amount of work, but at least you're then getting fifty to seventy percent of every copy sold rather than ten um so I would say it's worth it, but it's very hard if you're starting out because it's just there's so much content out there that nobody knows. <laughs> how did, how does anyone know whether yours is better than than the next person's um so I would say have a look at some of the really interesting hybrid models um there are some really interesting companies who are doing it really well and and I think those are I think that's the way forward I think that's the future for all of us.
0: Yeah 100% because that, that's like a package all in one with it but at the same time I'm it's it's interesting that you said also even um, you know, Penguin Random House, you you are expected to be your own business still at the end oh. of the day, you know?
1: You're get you're you are literally getting, I mean, you are not getting, as far as I can tell, you, you're getting a sales and distribution team. So you're getting into bookstores, but bookstores, even like Barnes and Noble, now take way, way fewer books than they used to. Um, but you're not really getting anything. They they Everything's about the bottom dollar. So unless you are picked by ideally Reese Witherspoon or Jenna Bush Hager, unless you're chosen for book of the month, unless you're chosen by the big box stores, the Targets and the BJs and the Walmarts, you, you, they're not going to put a dime into your campaign. They're just not. Um, and very, you know, it and it just, it, it's really really hard and and if you I mean of course there are books that work but it's one in a in a million and I guess you hold out in the hope that that's going to be yours but there's just so much content now um I think it's it's very hard to make a difference look if you're young and it's your first book you're in much better shape than me because I've had this I've had a huge career that I've watched sort of um you know, slow down significantly over the last decade. And, and so I'm ready, you know, I'm in a different place. It doesn't excite me anymore. Um, but I do think if you've got stories to keep telling those stories and look at other ways to do it. I mean, I also I, I happen to love live storytelling shows as well. Um, yeah. and And love if you've got stories that you want to share, you know, get create a theme, pull people Together, craft those stories and tell them live. You know, find other ways to have people be impacted by what you have to say.
0: Yeah, that's really, really, really great advice. And so, when you are picking your stories for the podcast, what are you looking for? Because you're turning a lot of them more into a script. If so, if you already have, um,
1: you know, got yeah. on
0: someone's book, yeah, yeah. What so are you looking I, for? Sorry,
1: yeah. Um. Again i'm i'm looking for i'm really looking for just great story that's gonna keep you gripped um throughout they're not all you know as I said the key of love is a historical romance um the psychological thriller is brilliant has a twist that that i'm i i do not think anyone will see coming um but uh I think just stories that are i always think that that a good novel is either going to serve. As a window or a mirror, it's going to give you a window into a into another life into a life different than yours, or it's going to reflect your own life back at you and i I think that's what I'm looking for with these stories mm. you know, either escape into another world or that joy of listening to something that is that is so lovely because it's so accurate, it's funny because it's true, you know it's reflecting your life wherever you are,
0: yeah, yeah, and they're the best ones that you can find well i mean. That's what any great novel I'm, I believe is. But they're the best ones that you can turn into a story as well. Yeah. Like, is there a certain point of view that you look for in books or things like that to then be told into audio
1: or? No, I don't no. think so. I think I'm, I think I'm, I just... Uh, it's really what grabs me. Um, but look, I'm going to authors that that are well known and they're known, they're well known because they tell great stories. They know how to tell a great story. And actually, it's interesting because not every script writer necessarily knows how to tell a great story. They're very, very different skill sets. And I want the stories. I can then attach the script writers if I need to um, for the dialogue, but I with the stories I'm going to the novelist for.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love this so much. So everyone can listen in, and by just literally searching "Rainbow Girl" for their first one, Spotify, yep. Apple, Google, all of the all the podcasts. About. Yes,
1: and please leave me a rating, especially on Apple, because that that helps the algorithm. If you if you leave, well, only leave a good rating. I mean, if <laughs> you hate it, just pretend you've never heard it. Don't do anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, sense. wherever. Yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, just just look for Rainbow Girl.
0: And what a gift! Because people get to have this for free. It's yeah. it's a full story for free. Like this is a next a next level thing that people um get in their own ears at home. So I absolutely love that you have done this, and I'm so excited for all the other books um that are coming up. And thank you so much for all the wonderful words of advice that you've shared with our listeners. And I think it also sparks that idea of like, hang on things are changing, you know, where is the industry going? How can I, how can I share
1: my voice in different ways? So thank you so much, Jen. Oh, Olivia, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And, and hopefully I'll be back on again with lots more um, interesting stories to tell you about. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about them. (laughs) Thank you. Good. Take care. And thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.